Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of God our Father. Amen. Now this morning I want to start with something. I want to ask you some questions, and I would love audience participation. This is kind of an icebreaker, if you will. We'll get to know each other a little bit. But audience participation, which means show of hands. First question, how many of you have ever broken a bone? Okay, very good, very good. How many of you have ever broken more than one bone at a time? Okay, very impressive, very impressive. How many of you have ever had stitches? How many of you have ever had more than 30 stitches? <laughs> I'm not going to tell the story. How many of you have ever had surgery of any kind? Okay. How many of you have ever had a knife wound in the kitchen or dark alley? <laughs> we'll, we'll assume it's the dark alley because you guys are all tough. How many of you ever had a gunshot wound? Yeah, I didn't know. And the guy follow question, how many of you have ever been wounded in a war? Okay. You know, I start with those questions because I think they're great questions to kind of kick off this topic we're going to be talking about this morning. Because today I want to talk about how God heals your secret wounds. Not the physical wounds like we just talked about, but the other kind of wounds that we kind of keep secret or hidden from everybody else. Secret wounds, just for a kind of a descriptor, are the secret wounds or the memories of the hurt of our past. The memories that still hurt, the the recollections from our past that still cause anxiety and stress in us today, that when we think about these things, they still cause pain in our lives. You see, memories of abandonment or memories of abuse would count. Some of you have memories of ridicule, severe criticism, hatred or prejudice, and that they just tore you down. They killed you during the moment and they've been killing you since. Physical abuse, spiritual sexual abuse, emotional abuse. And if you were to ask, where do these secret wounds come from in life? The answer, sadly, is they come from everywhere, don't they? From society, the prejudices of society. Some of you have felt that. You can certainly get them from family members. In fact, those are the ones that seem to hurt the most and last the longest. From kids, from parents, from brothers and sisters, from relatives. You can get them in the workplace. You can certainly get them in the schoolyard from mean kids. They're just everywhere. You know, I've been a pastor for a while now, and I've talked to a lot of the people over that time, and there's absolutely two things or two truths about life that I've become convinced of. And the first one is simply this, that I think everybody has a secret wound. Everybody. You may be masking it, but everybody has a, a secret or a hidden wound, at least one. You may have to go way back to a childhood. You may have to go to last week or yesterday, but you all, almost everybody has at least one wound that they've had to recover from. An emotional scar from somebody in the past who hurt you in a serious way. Why? Because life is hard. God is good, but, but life, life can sometimes be very hard. And people are so often what makes life so hard. The other thing I've learned about emotional scars is they take longer to heal than physical scars. There's a lot of people who have gone to war. They've been to Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, and they've come home and they've healed up. But it sometimes takes years and years and years for those emotional scars to heal. And so the good news this morning, and because I've started off on kind of a bummer, but the good news this morning is that Jesus Christ wants to heal your secret wounds. That's what he says in his word. And the cool part is we can, can begin that process this morning if you let him. In the Bible, God gives himself different Hebrew names describing different personalities that he has. He reveals different parts of who he is for the Israelites, for, for us today. And in Exodus 15, he says this. He says, I am Jehovah Rapha, which just means I am the God who heals you. I love that. In Psalm 147, it says, God heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds. You say, well, how does he do that? Well, that's what we're going to be taking a look at today. We're going to take a look at 
the steps really to God's healing process. And as you look through Scripture, all the time you see Jesus doing all sorts of amazing things, healing people, a lot of people physically and emotionally. But there are certain patterns and certain principles that go on over and over and over every time he goes about the healing process. They don't always go in this order, but these three things are always there. They're always there in God's process of healing those secret wounds that lie within us. It's healing those memories, healing those hurts. And so what are these principles? Well, the first one I want to start with, because this is the first one I think we almost always need to start with. You hear it in a lot of different sermons in different ways, but it's essentially this. We need to reveal our hurts. Why? Because you're never going to get well until you face the hurts straight on those feelings head on. I, I always will kind of refer to this, this imaginary table, right? That lots of times we, we try to hide these things from ourselves. We get mad at us ourselves when we think of them, when they come up, and we try to hide them and stuff them down as quickly as we can. But part of revealing our hurts is to begin to express them first to ourselves and then to others, and, or maybe first to ourselves, then to God, and then to others to begin to let God do that healing process. The Bible talks about the problem, though, of stuffing it down deep inside and not talking about it. A lot of us are pretty good at that, but God talks against that. In Psalm 39 it says, I kept very quiet, but I became even more upset. I became very angry inside, and I thought all about it, and my anger burned. He's saying holding on to hurts is only hurting yourself. It's like burning hot coals in your heart. They always hurt you more than it hurts anybody else. Secret wounds are when you try to stuff them down deep and they don't heal. <laughs> what they do is they fester. I think a lot of you can understand that a little bit. We, we try to ignore a problem, we try to ignore a pain, we try to ignore a hurt, but it just keeps coming back. It's like one of those bad you know, horror movies. The, the bodies just keep coming back up, you know, and, and so do our hurts. Pushing them down deep inside just doesn't get rid of them. It just makes it worse. Some of you get tired all the time, and one of the, the chief causes of that, not all the causes, but one of the chief causes about that is because we're in constant fatigue because we're using all of our emotional energy on resentments and grudges and guilts and griefs about our past. You use so much energy trying to use it and fight those feelings that you have no energy for the present, so you get tired all the time. The Bible says this, though. It says, when I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside of me, and I moaned all day long. I think we can understand that, right? Because when we're going over these things from the past, what are we doing? We're worrying, we're stressing, we're anxiety. We're spending hours of our life today on something that happened in the past. We're just making ourselves more and more miserable, and it's emotionally draining. Because we live in a sinful world, though, people abuse us in different ways. I have no doubt about that many of you here have, had abu have been abused in some fashion in your life. But the interesting thing is how people respond to those kind of abuses in the past. right? Some people try to respond by just forgetting about it. Out of sight, out of mind, I just stuff it down deep inside and hope that it doesn't come back. Some people try to run from it. And there's a lot of ways to escape today. You can get drunk, you can do drugs, you can go to bed with people you don't even know, you can get involved in work. You don't believe that happens, just look around our society, it's a mess. Some people just try to ignore it. People just try to pass it off on somebody else like it's somebody else's fault. Have you ever had that experience where, uh, excuse me, I clearly make the mistake, I'm clearly wrong and you confront me on it, but I get mad at you, right? Anybody use that trick with their spouse at home? You know, you, you just get mad at them for accusing you of doing something wrong, you don't want to deal with your stuff, so you blame somebody else. Some people try to cover up their abuse. See, the reasons we do that is because for some reason we feel guilty. We think it's our fault. 
And because we think it's our fault and because we get so consumed by the guilt of it all, we try to hide it from others and we try to push it down deep inside so it never comes out. It's kind of like that Coke bottle I talk about, right? You shake it up, eventually the pot top's going to come off. And when it comes off, it's going to make a mess. And it's going to make a mess all over. But the reality is you look at any of those is that none of those ways work. They're tried and true, but they never work. They just are things that we try. It's true. So step one is to be honest about our pain, about our fears, about our angers, about our resentments, about our bitterness, about what people have done to us, about the way that you felt when you were abandoned or abused, ridiculed, the shame that maybe you felt. You've got to start by revealing those hurts, putting them on the table so that God can begin to do something with them. You've got to be honest. The Bible says this in Job 18.4, you are only hurting yourself with your anger. When you stuff it down, you are only hurting yourself. The reality is that you're never going to get well until you start revealing these hurts. And, and this is true with just about anything that we'll talk about. It starts with confession, right? I mean, that's where God always wants us to start. It starts by putting it out there so that he can begin to do that healing process. It goes on to a step two, and that's that you need to release those who have hurt you. I probably could ask if anybody could go back to that hidden hurt, and, and probably there's always a person attached to it. The reality is that we have to release those those names that are attached to it, who have hurt us. Why? Because you can't get going with your life as long as you're focused on the past. You can't get well as long as you're focused on resentment. And so for your own sake, you have to let go of the right to get even. Let me say that one more time. For your own sake, you have to let go of the right to get even. And some of us, some of us just try to do, get even with people in the most self-destructive way. We're going to be mad at you for years. That doesn't affect them. It just affects you. But we do it. The fact is, is you only have X amount of energy, emotional energy. And you've got to figure out how you're going to spend it. One of the most difficult decisions in your life is going to be this. Do I want to get well or do I want to get even? Why? Because you can't do both. And so you're going to have to decide some point in life, do I want to get well or do I want to get even? Because simply you don't have enough emotional energy to do both. Some of you have been able to get back at a person that's hurt you in the past. I think there was a great example of that this week. How many of you guys are baseball fans, follow baseball at all? There was a game, San Diego Padres versus the Los Angeles Dodgers. Carlos Quentin used to be a Diamondback, good old boy, you know. Well, apparently he and the pitcher had a kind of a long-standing feud. It goes all the way back to 2008 where Zach Greinke is the pitcher. And they believe, he believed, at least in his mind, that Zach was, was hitting him with the baseball on purpose. Zach throws pretty hard, so I'm sure it hurts, you know. And, and so over the years, he's got plunked quite a few times by Zach, you know. And, and he's tried to reach out to Zach, the pitcher, over those years. At least that's what this article said. And he's tried to understand why he gets plunked. And he does under, he kind of crowds the batting box. He, he understands it's going to happen. But there are some times where he feels like the pitcher throws at him intentionally. Those were the cases with this pitcher. Well, the pitcher would never talk to him, always hung up on the phone, never never went anywhere. He had teammates of the pitcher talking to him to try to, to fix something, never would get fixed. Well, so there they were in the game, you know, and he's up to bat and he gets plunked again. And he's just furious. He can't let it go. He feels like this has happened over and over and over. So he starts toward the mound and stops. The pitcher unhelpfully throws his mitt down and says, come on, or whatever it is that he said. So Carlos went out and tackled him and broke the pitcher's collarbone and all those different things. But it didn't make anything better. He got even. Broke the guy's collarbone. The guy's going to be out for eight weeks. But it didn't make anything better. It just made things worse. 
Some of you can relate to that. You've gotten even. You've tried that whole system. You've been able to get back at the person who's hurt you. But you know it didn't solve the problem. probably just made it worse. You still feel the pain. And now you're stuck emotionally because what are you going to do? Do you think it's going to be easier or harder to say I'm sorry in that situation or to come to any kind of reconciliation in that situation? The fact is that there's only one way that works to get rid of the hurt in your heart. There's only one way to get rid of it when somebody's hurt you. Only one way. The Bible tells us it's forgiveness. You say, but they don't deserve to be forgiven. I'm sure that pitcher didn't deserve to be forgiven, but in the reality, I didn't say they did. They probably don't deserve to be forgiven, but you know, neither do you deserve to be forgiven, and yet Christ forgave you. So I'm not saying forgive them because they deserve it. They probably don't. I'm saying forgive them for your own sake. It's time to let it go. Because you can't get on with your life as long as you're stuck in the past. As long as you hold on to that resentment, you're stuck. The person is still controlling your life in the present, even though they're not around anymore. Even though they may have been out of your life for many, many years. Time Magazine had, one time had an article that said, Should all be forgiven? And the headline read, Giving up that grudge can be good for your health. Researchers are pioneering a new science of redemption based on the old form of grace. My response to that is, well, duh, right? I mean, the, the scientists are far, finally figuring out what the Bible's been saying for over 2,000 years. You can't hold on to a hurt in your life and enjoy life at the same time because you can't focus on the future when you're stuck in the past. You've got to let it go. Not because they deserve it, but because you want to get on with the rest of your life. It's amazing how that, that works. It truly is. I, I had the opportunity this week to talk about somebody whose feelings were hurt, and I said, you've got to choose to forgive them and move on with your life. You've got to choose to re- extend the olive branch and just pretend that didn't happen. You have the choice on whether you forgive or not. You have the choice on whether you extend that olive branch or not. You have the, you have the power to reconcile or not reconcile. Life's too short to get stuck there. Do what God calls you to do and enjoy life. And then finally, he goes to this last part, which is this. If you want to get well, you have to replace those old tapes of your life with God's truths. I, I say that because your brain is kind of like a tape recorder. It really is. It has recorded every single experience that your five senses have experienced during your lifetime. Everything you've smelled, everything you've seen, heard, touched, tasted, it's all there. Everything that you have, people have said to you is in there. Your brain is truly an amazing recorder. It's recorded all the, all the down, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, the true, the false. But here's the problem with our brains. It doesn't know how to distinguish between what is true and between what is not true. And that's especially true of us when we were little kids. Some of you, particularly when you're young, had somebody tell you something, say something to you that was a blatant lie, but that you believed it. And the problem with that is that if you believed it, you started acting on it, or maybe you're still acting on it. And the painful reality is that some of you are still reacting on that faulty data today because you still can't get rid of that past. Somebody told you you were ugly way back in the day and now every time you look in the mirror you're still insecure about your looks. That's nothing to do with reality, probably. You know? But the reality is we, we get stuck in the past. Somebody told you you weren't smart so you continue to second guess yourself in every situation today. Somebody said that you weren't athletic so you stopped trying. And you don't know if you're athletic today because you gave up. 
But when you base your life on these faulty data, what happens is you start building a kind of self-defeating lifestyle. You set yourself up for all kinds of hurt and pain as you go through life. Some of you, when you were kids, you had adults or authority figures say all sorts of horrible things to you, like you're stupid or you're ugly or you're never going to amount to anything. I'm embarrassed to call you my child. You're uncoordinated. You're dumb. You can't be like, why can't you be smart like your sister or brother and on and on. And they said these things to you and it all went into your recorder. And some of you today are 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years old and you're still reacting and acting on those old tapes and wondering why you still do things that defeat you. But God says you have to learn to replace those old tapes with his truths. In Romans 12, 2, it says, Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How does he change us? How does he transform us? By changing the way that we think. By giving us real truths to build our lives on. And so how do we do that? Well, first you start with prayer. It's always a good place to start talking with God about stuff. And you pray stuff like this. God, would you heal my past memories? These things, those hurts, those open wounds in my heart, they still hurt. I don't like it. I keep doing dumb things because of them. Would you heal my memories and begin that process now? And second, you need to fill your mind with God's Word, the Bible. Because the more you fill your mind with God's Word, the more you'll start erasing those old tapes and putting God's truths in the place of them. So you need to get into this book. You need to open up God's Word. That's why we keep saying you need to get involved in a small group and do daily devotionals, right? Because the more you get into this book, the more truths that you will know and the more you can build your lives on those truths. And the more you can replace all the lies that are in your life. You need to fill your mind with this book and the way that you do that is by studying it and memorizing it, right? And, and, and reading it over and over. Scripture talks about it as meditating on God's Word day and night. And I wish it were true, but you can't just put it under your pillow at night and hope that it all goes in. You've got to actually spend time with God one-on-one just hearing what it is that He has to say. Sermons are great. And you can get a whole bunch from a sermon, for Sunday. But what do you do for Monday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? I mean, what are you going to do in the in-between? It's like eating once a, month, once a week. You've got to be starving by the time you get here. God says, I want you to eat every day. I need you to hear me every day so you don't forget. And then the third thing, and this is probably the hardest of the bunch, you need to actually believe and trust those truths about you. What is the truth about you anyway? What does God say? Well, one of the things he says is this. Through what Christ would do for us, God decided to make us holy in his eyes without a single fault. And so we stand before him now covered with his love. Did you notice the words there, without a single fault? Because that's how God sees you now that you've been forgiven by Christ, without a single fault. He takes away everything, everything you've ever done wrong, the guilt, the regrets, the shame, the hurts. He erases it all and he says, you know what, we're going to start over. Get a new slate. When you're playing as a kid kickball or something like that and something would happen, somebody cheated or whatever, you say, do over. And you could start on with the game and, and nobody spent any time focusing on that cheater or that bad player, the questionable call. They would just say, do over. And you went on with the game and everybody had fun. He erases all those things and says, we're going to start over. And so God sees you now without a single fault because that's really the way you are. No, no. But it's because of what Jesus has done for you. When I was talking to the kids, I said, it's like Jesus goggles. We're messed up, we're messed up, we're, we're perfect. Because of the blood of Christ. Because he rose again. Because he says, I forgive you, I love you, my child. 
And so if you trust that, this is what Scripture says will happen, then all of your troubles will fade from your memories like floods that are of the past and will be remembered no more. My question today is, wouldn't you like that? Wouldn't you like it if you could just let the past be past and you could just focus with all your energy on the future and what is to come? Wouldn't you love to have your troubles just fade from your memory? See, the principle is this. Forgetting is caused by refocusing. And so you don't forget the past by saying, I'm going to forget the past, I'm going to forget the past, I'm going to forget the past, because what are you doing the whole time? You're focusing on the past. That says that's not the way it works. You refocus by refocusing on Jesus Christ and his plan and his purpose for your life. And you become so consumed and so committed to that that you don't have time to think about the past. It's refocusing. When people hurt deeply, they'll do almost anything to avoid that pain. And so they get stoned or they get drunk or they pop some pills or they go to bed with people they don't know. They'll do almost anything to relieve the hurt. And so how do you spell relief? Sex, drugs, drink, porn, you name it? No. How do you spell relief? I'd love to suggest to you today you spell it J-E-S-U-S. You spell it Jesus. Because he's the only one that can take away the pain. And he's the only one that can truly erase the past in your life so that you can focus now on the future. Because that's the kind of God that we have. It's what Easter means, that you are forgiven, that you're loved by an amazing God. And all God's people said, Amen.